this is Mish Hancock, and you are listening to Mishmash, a place where I get to talk to the weird, wacky, wonderful people of this world, people I adore and want to know more about. Today, my guest is Marion Brickner. Marion, and these are her words. This is what she told said to yesterday in a meeting we were in. She is a naive, hang off the edge of the bell-shaped curve on either the far right or far left-hand side and does not schmooze properly. <laughs> I just loved it. To me, she is a creative, talented, and whimsical photographer, artist, and author that tends to create a lot of smiles. Hi, Marion. Hi, Mish. How are you doing? Thank you so much for talking to me today. Well, I'm in awe, I should say. I... Yes. Oz, good. That's no. a good thing to be in. Yeah, right. Okay. We could be in a lot of other places. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So I can't imagine what you would talk to me about. Oh, for goodness sakes, Marion. Okay, let's just start with bonobos. Okay. And all of the amazing photography and the books you've written around this particular, because here's something I learned because I, I was looking up by, about bonobos, that they are, they share like 98 plus percent of our own, of our DNA. They are very close to the humans. Yes. And you have studied them and hung out with them. I mean, let's start there. Okay. <clears throat> so here's the deal. I consider myself very smart. You but should. I'm missing a lot of attributes that go along with being very smart. Okay. And that's what causes me to schmooze wrongly here. I'm a transplanted New Yorker. So just, just to say. Okay. So a, uh, here's the story. So I woke up one morning when I was 55 and I was working. And I woke up and I said, why do people keep killing each other all the time? Uh, I'm, I, I, I'm with you. And I said, well, I have to do something, of course. <clears throat> so I said, okay, I'll do a little homework about why they kill each, we kill each other all the time. It took half a day. <clears throat> this is all tongue-in-cheek. You get that. Half a day. And I came up with... As we scan each other all the time, I came up with, you don't look like me, you should be dead. Okay. I think some people do have that opinion. Yeah, well, so I said, okay, all right, so I need to, I have a little itty-bitty camera, uh, a little thing, and I need to, f considering that I think that every individual who has a body has a life, that's what I go by. And if I show a very small body, like a grasshopper body, and show respect for that body, and I take a picture of her or him looking in the camera, and I show that to you, I go out on the sidewalk, you know, I say, hey, would you look at this picture? And they say, huh? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> who are you? What do you want? Why am I looking at this? <laughs> and this is, oh, this is just a whatever grasshopper. And then it would cause an infinitesimal perception shift. And the next person they'd look at, they'd say, well, that's just a person. That was my goal, always my goal. It didn't work at all. No. But okay. I got very good at photographing insects because um, 
I was photographing small individuals showing respect. First of all, they never looked in the camera, and they were always blurry. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> But it kept me going for six years while I was working. Okay, so somewhere around 98, and that was like in 90, so long ago. I was born in 37, 1937. Okay. So then a book came out in 98 called Bonobo the Forgotten Ape. And I said, what's that? I never heard of them. I'm very smart. If I never heard of them, neither have all my smart friends heard of them either. And I have to do something, of course. I have to do something about that. Um, <clears throat> the book was published and written by Franz de Waal, F-R-A-N-S-D-E-W-A-A-L. Very, okay. very well-known, famous primatologist and ethologist, like Jane Goodall is, but he's in a d little different area. And Franz Lanting. And Franz Lanting is a National Geographic photographer. Uh -huh. And I have my little K-1000 little camera, you know. And I said, well, I want a picture of mine to be on the cover of a Franz de Waal book. <laughs> and um, <clears throat> I'm very competitive. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I did a lot of homework. I, I was able to get the... the a lot of homework, which I won't go into. I found out who brought in the first bonobos into the country in 1956, and the person who helped bring them in from Zaire. It's a long, long, wonderful story. And the I've, in Milwaukee is where the bonobos were living, most of them. There are only seven zoos that have them, and they're very family-oriented. So when I was in Milwaukee, I knocked on the... Um, door of the keepers, you know, and they said, came out and they said, you know, like, who are you? And I, <laughs> I said, why isn't there a children's book about bonobos? Because children should, you know, like in that kind of voice, what's up with that? And they said, you know, uh, go away, we're busy. And this was Barbara Bell, who turned out to be a friend of mine. <clears throat> and the the guy that ran the uh, the curator at that time, whatever you call it, gave me a stud book. Now, all zoos have stud books of every animal, where they were born, where they've been living, who their children were, who their, you know, their parentage, all that. Oh, I and, didn't know that. That's I know, cool. I know. And so they're like genealogy yes. of all the animals. Oh, how cool. <clears throat> and he said, don't ever tell anyone I gave you this. Ooh. So now we're on Facebook Live. <laughs> and um, it talked about the two key ones, Cacahuete. And Linda. So I took a long one. I built a whole family tree. And Linda had 11 children. And they lived here and there. And I thought, you know, and it turned out that bonobos have a family resemblance. And they look alike. And not only have we not heard of them, they look alike. I couldn't, I was like beside myself. And this set me on a 14-year project of, um, I said, I have to get a children's book out. And I don't know anything about that. How to do that, I know, I know nothing. But I took the family tree that I built about Linda's children, and I said, well, if we have a book, we need a baby bonobo because we love babies. Right. Right. Everybody's attracted to the babies. And Lucy was one year old, and she lived in the Jacksonville, Florida Zoo. And so I called them, and they, I said, I want to come down there and photograph Lucy. And they said, you know, like, we don't care. Right? <laughs> I love that you just call. 
Like well, so yeah. many people would be even afraid to do that part, right? To just like pick up the phone and go, hey, yeah, I'd like to come down and photograph this. Yeah, yeah. I just call because what the hell? That's awesome. Yeah. The good lesson for everybody. Yes. Call. Just call. Well, it was this 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 part that um, uh, uh, Chris Kleindeast, who runs Theft uh, Bank Books and who knows me somewhat, she said there's a naive innocence about you, which I there's something sort of lacking or, or not lacking. It's a benefit because I can do that. I mean, I can say I want to come down there and they can say I don't care, so what? And that's okay with me. Right. Well, you have a hyper curiosity, and I think yes. that people see that. And but it, but there's a thoughtfulness behind it as well, Marion. I mean, that's part of what I think people get. It's not like you're some weirdo. You know what I mean? It's a like there's a thoughtfulness behind it. Of she's gonna do something with this. Well, that's that's good. Okay, so. I went down there and I said, meantime, Nikon had given me a $10,000 lens, which is another story, which is like, oh my God, here's what. Thanks, here, Nikon. All right. Here's what. So in practicing, I, I got a little, bit, a little bit of a better camera and I wanted to photograph something looking in the camera. They all had to look in the camera. So we'd say, well, who is that? They have a life. And Missouri Botanical Garden had frogs that lived in a little pond out there. So, so I went with my little, I bought a lens, 80, 80 to 400 lens, zoom lens, and a tripod and, and all that. And I photographed the frogs, and the, the images were intermittently blurry. This was with slides. And I called Nikon, and I said, hey, they're intermittently blurry, and I don't know why. And I got to teach the guy at that time you could talk to somebody. And he said, do this and do that and use a cable release and use your tripod on the, you know, the cement. And I did all that, and, and they were still intermittently blurry. And so I said, I called him, and I said, I'm sending you the lens. This is $1,650 lens, which, like, I don't have, like, I'm not a person with, like, money. You know, I'm not one of those people. But I, I had enough. So I sent it. And he, he called me. He said, well, this is a perfectly good lens. I said, well, I know. I said, but I don't want it. And he said, well, what time of day were you using the lens? Now, I've never heard this discussed in camera, in camera issues ever, ever. This was the guy that ran the um, department of repair at Nikon at the time. I said, well, I don't know. The morning. He said, well, here's the truth of the matter. When, the, when a zoom lens is zoomed out, it could wobble just a tinge. Okay, gotcha. I've never heard this discussed, ever. I said, well, all I want is a 400, you know, big 400 thing so the frogs will look in the camera. <laughs> and he said, well, don't worry. We'll... This is why I don't do bugs anymore. They won't look at me. No, frogs no, will. the bugs, they never, never look. <laughs> <laughs> and they were always busy, you know, doing something. The next day I know, I get this huge suitcase with this $10,000 lens. This 400 prime lens, no zooming. I never buy a zoom lens ever again, ever, ever. Wow, interesting. Ever, 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 ever. No, I don't. I want, 
when you look at my image, I want you to say, oh, that's what I want, you know, two-thirds of a second. And you're not going to get it with a Zoom. Well, and I would say that that was definitely the thing people would say when they saw the picture of Lucy, the bonobo. So here's what happened. I took my lens. Anyway, Lucy had a cousin in Cincinnati, a three-year-old cousin. So, you know, they look alike. I had to drive to Cincinnati to photograph Lucy's cousin. And um, Vic, Vic was the cousin. And Vic, the picture that is now famous... And it's on the cover of a Franz de Waal book. Got the, there. Did that. that. Check. <laughs> right, check. 15 years it took. 15 years. Uh, but I did it. And um, he was looking through through glass at a three-year-old boy who was reading, wearing a red outfit. And the picture breaks your heart because you say, he's saying, why am I behind glass? Oh, and the picture was huge, huge, huge hit. And when I finally got an email from Random House in uh, 2012 and said, we're looking for a picture for the cover of Franz Wall's book. And I said, ah! <laughs> you know, that would be me. That would be one of mine. Yes. Said, oh, my God. <laughs> um, How fun. And they went through 2,000 pictures, 2,000 pictures. Because I called and said, hey, what's up? I talked to L'Oreal. Oliver and say went through two thousand and they picked three to choose from, all of which were mine. As it turned out, the kind of images that I produce, you feel that there's an individual there. Right. It's not just a. Uh, that's a bonobo. That's a grasshopper. That's it. What grasshopper is that? You know what's she doing? How long does she live? What's wrong with her leg? You know things like that. Right. It creates a connection. Yeah. And again, a curiosity. There's a lot of that here. Well, you know, hey. So so they picked that one. And I wrote to him. I emailed. I said, I'm famous now because my name is associated with yours. And he wrote back, ah. Ah. <laughs> mm. Yeah. And then, um, you know, we he always responds immediately. And he's got 20 million things to do. And I wondered if he's a quick responder. Which you are. Right. You have to be a quick responder. Um, Then he wrote and he said he'd like a picture of Vic now. He was 12 now at the time. And would I mind just running back to Cincinnati and getting a picture of Vic now? And I said, of course not. It's Franz de Waals. Like, why not? I'm there. And and the the thing is, I'm not, quote, I use the word for it, anybody particularly. I mean, nobody said, we're sending Mary and, you know, she's the kid. It wasn't like that. It was just my work showed up. And I think, what I think, of course, is if I, it's always if I can do it, you can do it. I'm just a person doing stuff. Mm. I mean, that's my thinking about it. So I drove back to Cincinnati and they put me up in an intern house with 24 cots and a cot, you know, a shower. (laughs) And it was so much fun, but it was winter and Vic was not inclined. No, no pictures for Vic. No. So he didn't want his picture taken. And what, what Franz wanted was he wanted to look in the camera. And um, he said, well, I wrote to him and I was hysterical. Like Franz de Waal wants this picture and I'm not getting it. And I just, you know, I was panicky. And he said, well, don't worry. He said, why don't you go back in the spring? No money, no offer of anything. 
nothing. Um, uh, and uh, they'll put him outside, and you get the picture then. So I called the zoo, and they said, okay, fine. And they, I went back in the spring. And I gave it two days because there was a... And this is the thing about the image producing that I want to do. It, and I, could, I don't consider it a business, but I consider it as technical, um, driven pro production pro that has to be a certain way or don't, don't call me. So I gave Vic two days, and he was out outside in the yard with a friend. And there was grass, and what we wanted, what the picture was, he had to sit there with the grass up so high up to his face and look in the camera. That was the deal. And did he do it? He didn't want to. He didn't want to. Vic's like, ah. No, he didn't no. want to. He took a nap, <laughs> and his friend kept going to that spot. And smiling and looking. Oh, the there car, you go. Went, All right. And I said, "No, uh, you're beautiful, but no, it's, it's you're not the one." And he sat there for hours, you know, waiting for me to take. This the could picture. be my big break, Marion. <laughs> take my picture. I know he would. And finally, he walked off, and Vic came, and he sat there. He sat there for about a minute and a half. Okay, I'm doing it. And he looked like okay. I'm ready. It. Let's go. Then I took it, and I said thank you. And he wandered off, and I got the picture, and Franz used it in his book, and he talked about me. He said, and Marion Brickner took this picture of Vic, and how does this even happen? That's this awesome. This does not happen. This does not happen. Sure. Well, it did, but I wanna. I want to take us now because this is this is this is where we're at right now. We we've, we're going to go from bonobos to dragons. I mean, this right. is so. This is quite the different species. Um, so dragons, which anybody who we, we get to watch Facebook Live could see the dragons. But this is, this is we got Emily. Emily the dragon. That's a good name for a dragon. Emily is one of my favorite names because oh. almost Emily I know. Every Emily I know is like an awesome Emily. Well, Emily's a good name. In my world, Emily and Jill, who, <laughs> I have an Emily and Jill who work for me, but then I would say 98% of the other Jills and other Emilys I've met, I'm like, you're awesome. And of course, it's because you're Emily or Jill. You have awesome, that's that's, just, that's that's true. Yeah. I, I don't know why, but Emilys and Jills tend to be awesome people. So Emily is also an awesome dragon. Yeah. So um, I became unmarried, <clears throat> as many, many people do, and I moved from southern Illinois to St. Louis because it was the closest big town. <clears throat> and for some reason, which I have never been able to figure out, I wanted to uh, make, make a dragon. Okay. And this is carved with an um, electric knife out of polyfoam. Okay. Okay. And the thing about the dragon is the dragons, they have tails. Uh, of course, the deal is there, there's two points to this. When, some, when a child, a baby gets a, a stuffed animal, you know, they hug them. Right. They love them. And they talk to them and they're sort of, this is an adult. We, we wouldn't admit it. We wouldn't say, well, I really. I want a stuffed animal. We don't do that. Hmm. But we actually do it. I know? think we do. Oh, 
So the, the deal is when, when you ha- everyone has a tail, this, uh, everyone has an issue. These are all about, this is, um, what is it? No, this is very subliminal. My humor is very subliminal. So you wouldn't, you just think it's cute. It is cute. Right. She's very cute and she's very smiling. Very cute. But she, very festive. They have these tails and the tails have spikes. Okay. So this is, to me, this is equivalent to all of us who have a ta- uh, spikes. And we have our we own spikes. How do, we, how do we deal with our issues? Right. Okay. That's what this, what this means to me. Now, the uh, dragons have very short arms, legs. You don't not sure how they feed themselves because maybe they don't even eat. I don't know. <laughs> not my problem. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and... And they have very short feet. I actually made this in 84, and I took it to New York to get on the David Letterman show. Remember, there was a David yeah, Letterman? right. And I said, well, she's a, a fake animal, but she's an animal. And they had, they had these animal tricks. Right, yes, I remember. So I knocked on the David Letterman show, and I said, well, I have this, this um, <clears throat> thing here, and I would like to get her on the show. I said, come on up. So I went up to their studio, and they looked her over, and and he he, he dropped in the door, and he said, hey, what's that? Uh, and uh, he said, you know, we can't use it. She's not real. You're like, I, use your imagination, David. I said, you could have <laughs> tossed her upside down. You know, there would be a lot of things you could do. <laughs> he said, well, no. I mean, nice, cute, but probably not. So, so okay. So I went. I took her over to FAO Schwartz after that, and I said, "Hey," they said, "You know, we love this. We could sell this, but you'd have to produce it." Right. We could sell it for thirty nine fifty. Well, they already knew the price and everything. Yeah. All right. I don't know how to produce it. Yeah, that's a tough one. So I let it drop. But it did show up. Yeah. In a book? Yeah, so um, I brought this, you can see, to show well, you. Well, we'll show. We can show. But tell us about the book and what the name oh, is this and what book, it's about. This book. That's not in the book. <clears throat> the book was a story about the dragons, and it starts off where there are five dragons in the story. Okay. And they're usually supposed to be green, but somehow they weren't all green. I don't know why. Um, and they had a wagon, and was, the one was pulling the wagon with her tail, of course. Was, and they were going on a walk through the neighborhood to find $20 bills. And across the top of the page, there were um, zebras and parachutes. So all across the top of the page, there were these parachutes with zebras hanging down. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't ask me. You know? I like it. I love it. <laughs> and one of them was yelling down, I, I lost my stripe. And you see a stripe falling to the ground. And the dragons jump out of the wagon. Well, one of them sits in the wagon and the others jump in. So we, we see the stripe and we'll glue it on for you. Helpful dragons. Yes. And the zebra... It's down to the ground, and and then but the the thing is, I have to draw um, every single character. 
I draw this. Right. And I draw it now on Photoshop on the computer. Very cool. And I have to... This is the only way that I know how to say this. I, um, I don't know who is going to find the stripe. They have to decide. I don't know. I let them decide everything. Like them as far as the dragons or the, the dragons, reader? The okay, dragons. Okay, gotcha. Uh, the reader is like over there. Gotcha. So it turned out the yellow one found the stripe and picked it up and glued it on the zebra. Um, and the zebra had to take the parachute off, and he didn't take it off quite right, and he ended up with a red stripe for the rest of his life because <laughs> <laughs> the stripe from the parachute just wouldn't come off. I gotcha. Okay, so then the story goes on. The zebra says, I really want to ride in your, in your wagon. The issue, the deal was, these are issues that, minor issues, but the deal is, how do we, how do we deal with an issue? And who decides, I never discussed this, of course, who decides what's going to do what? And the, it turns out that the dragons never, um, they, they hang out together, and you never hear them say, your tail is in my face. Just you don't hear that. Um, so they said, "Well, we'll help you. We'll help you." You know, and they push him, and then they climb on him, and he manages to get in the wagon. And then, um, at the same time, this the zebra parachutes are disappearing off to the right. Everything's off, going that way, and there's storks flying up. At, so I was wondering when the storks came in because I was interested in a stork hat for myself. Those are very jazzy. Stork cat? <laughs> the hat. Oh, yeah. The hat on your storks. I love them. Well, yes, Myra de 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 developed the hats. I like Myra. The hats are great. Yes. Thank you, Myra. <laughs> Myra will love to hear that because we're going to do something with stork hats, you know. Oh, well, um, I think you should. As a person who really likes headwear... You know, stork hats, I mean, I think that could be a thing. Well, this this one had little prongs come out, re yes, red and yellow. They're very fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's all subliminal. You know, we don't talk about it. It just sort of happens. Um, and this stork had a bad toe. Again, the $20 bill issue was long gone. Oh, the stork is shouting, my, my toe hurts and my toe hurts. And, and so the stork gets down there and they, they have a Band-Aid. Now, where they got the Band-Aid, the, the dragons, we don't, we don't know that. And they fix the stork up. And then they look up at the clouds and the dragons say, there's a cloud. I always wanted to visit a cloud. And they can actually fly. But the dragons can fly? They can fly, but we don't. These are some awesome dragons. See it here. Yes, they, but we don't see it in the book. Okay. And the stork said, well, you know, I can take you up there, and I have brothers and sisters, and we can we have four, five of us, and you have five dragons, and everybody can, can get on their stork, and we can fly up. And they do that, and that picture is absolutely a riot. And I didn't bring it. <clears throat> um, well, they have to get the book. Well, you can get the book. <laughs> um, the, so it's very funny because they get on the stork and one of them is sleeping on his stork and he doesn't wake. He's just dreaming on his stork. You see him with his tail is lounging and he's nuzzled up there. Anyway, they get up there to the clouds and the something that they've never done before, the, zebra, the uh, dragons say, you're pink. Now, we've never heard the dragons make a declaration before. 
Ah, They don't okay. do that. And why they did that, I don't know. I mean, this is like the age from four to six, the verbal abilities of four-year-olds. I have a degree in early childhood education. Okay. okay. So the, the verbal um, ability uh, by your time you're four, you can make statements. You, they do. You can say, make a generalization. All dogs have tails. Gotcha. Okay. So the dragon said, you're, you're pink. Um, clouds are not pink. Are you real? And the cloud says, I'm a real cloud. You know, big <laughs> letters, big like 38 text size. Gotcha. I'm a big cloud. I'm real. Are you real? You look like a cartoon. And that was something else. I had a whole other reason. I pondered this for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks, a lot of weeks, how to deal with the issue of who's real. Hmm. Because that's what the whole book is about. Gotcha. Who is real and how do you know? So the dragons were all upset. And there's a whole page where I don't know if I'm real. I never thought of it. Am I really real? I didn't know that. And there's all the text flying off the page. And they say, we're going home. And they fly home with the... I took the page of them flying up, and they turned it upside down, so they're all flying home. And they get there. And um, then there's a picture of me, a cartoon of me, lady with hair going all over the place and sitting, a, a dr drawing something and drawing the dragon. So the page is filled with dragon, little uh, dragon okay. drawings yep. and stork drawings and hats and things like that. And there's text that says... Someone, this is how I summed it up. Um, how do you sum up what's real? <clears throat> the text says, someone had an idea. P pause. She drew me. Pause. I'm real. I love that. Now, the issue, of course, everything I do, as you, you know, is... Um, I, I use the word subliminal. I don't even know the words for it. Um, originally, I was going to have one stork, <clears throat> and she said, I can fly two of you up. And then the issue was how they decide who the two are going to be. And one apparently gets in charge, and he says, who wants to fly up there on the, to see the cloud? Tails up. And I envisioned, you know, five tails would go up, and that's a cute picture. Um, and I talked to my daughter about it. And so the one, she said, well, who really wants to go? Tails up. And four tails went up. And the fifth one said, I don't really want to go. I don't like heights. And then the next question is, well, who really, really wants to go? <laughs> and I talked to my daughter about it. She said, Mom, that's awful. That's so cruel. The one who didn't really want to go said really did want to go, but they felt hurt. They didn't want to feel other people's hurt, other people's feelings. By so da -da 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 -da. So well, I'm gonna... I have to say, though, I like, I like how you summed it up. I liked the, I liked the idea. Where, and so let, where do people get this book? Oh, you can, um, the, what I, I want to have happen is I want every household in the world to have 
dragon something in their house, even if it gets thrown under the couch or the dog takes it, you know, and bites it and chews it all up. The feeling that the, this this uh, issue gives is good. Now, whether it's by, by book, you can buy the book, and the book is twenty dollars. You can get it on Amazon, or if you want to, um, I'll get some extra books and send you one. You can pay me or not pay me. It's not about the money. It's, right. It's about the feeling that happens with these th- these critters. So you can get them on Amazon. Just look up Amazon. It's, uh, the title is um, Dragons and Storks. By Marion Brickner, B-R-I-C-K-N-E-R. Oh. <laughs> we got to make sure we get that in there. Right. Um, yeah, I think that's so fun. Or just if some bring that dragon energy in. Is the idea that you're yeah exactly bring that bring and and deciding you know that something is real because someone made it yeah, yeah. right so originally I thought the dragons should go around and feel things they felt the grass and they said yes I feel that it must be real or I feel the the zebra it must be real right but that's not right because you have an idea you do something with when when is it real. Which is a very interesting and big question for families and kids to talk about. I love it. Everybody, everybody, you know, we, we don't, anyway, that's that's my whole story. I love it. Well, it's not the whole story, but it's the story we're doing today, Marion. So yeah. I usually ask people questions, but I, I loved, I didn't want to mess with your vibe. And you actually answered all my questions <laughs> I had. What were your I questions? Wanted, well, I wanted to address the the hats for the storks, and I want to talk about bonobos. And then, what, you know, I always ask people about kindness, but your kindness is in that book. It's that kindness of a gift to children and the gift that, you know, to to have parents and children start talking about those big questions. What is real? I mean, what an awesome question to ask a four to six-year-old. Right. Or, actually a 20 year old you know i oh, mean it's yeah. it's a, it would i feel that that would spark a very cool conversation can we have conversations somehow i would see here's the thing my training when i was 4 years old i started my pre pre-kindergarten class i went to a school it's ethical culture school in new york called fieldston ethical culture school and we don't have a lot of time so we got to go through this one quickly but ethical culture school Right. I've never heard of such so a thing. So we had ethics classes. Okay. And we had read the story of the three little pigs, and then there were, what do we do about that? Or what, what happened? The, why did the pigs do this? And why did the pigs do that? And what I fa- gathered from that, I had this training every week. So in eighth grade, we had, when is cheating cheating? So there was a law passed that you had to wear blue shirts. And I wanted to wear a green shirt. Is that cheating? Is that then the question was who made that law and what is the deal? You know, who made the law? Why did they do that? What's their hidden agenda? Do they, uh, if somebody produces blue shirts and everybody in the world has to wear blue, you know, it went right. on and on and right, on. Right, right, right. And so, so my training is from pre age four is everyone has an opinion. Everyone. If new information came your way, would it change your mind? That's what I'm dealing with. All the time, all the time, all the time. Well, we all are. Um, and those are the issues we're all dealing with. We have an opinion. Right. Based on something. Right. And new information came your way, like, would that change your view? 
So that's my training, and that's what the dragons are about. I love it. Well, thank you, Marion. And everybody out there, I mean, like, think about this, because this is, this is, uh, this point needs to, to, I want to make sure everybody got this point, because I believe this as well. If you're stuck with, like, this is a belief system that has no, this is it, this is my belief system, you're going to miss out, because new information is going to show up in your life. And when that new information shows up, you could change your opinion. That's okay. You don't have to stick with the original belief system. So I just want to put that out there. Uh-huh. Um, Marion, thank you. I adore you. Thank oh, you thank so you. much for being on today. And everyone out there, Amazon, that's the place to get her book as well as other books. And you look her up. She's prolific. She's got pictures, books. I mean, this woman has I been done, I've done a lot. I probably maybe 50, 60, 70 books already on the animals. You've, you've given a lot of treasure to the world. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Thank and you. everyone out there, you have been listening to Mishmash. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>